Desperate times require desperate prayer. Desperate times require unified prayer. Because casual prayer leads to a casual move of God. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Fathers, I yield myself to you. May you be seen. And I pray that I am not. God, I got nothing good to say today. But God, you do. And may you move in power. God, give me a divine unction that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and only you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. God, have your way in this place. Show us your glory, God. And may many in the coming days, weeks, and years run to the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, to you be the praise and to you be the glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're looking at verses 9 through 14 this morning. And as you're turning there, the question that we're looking at today is a simple question and a very important question. And the question is this, how to respond in crisis? How to respond in crisis? By choosing not to respond in crisis is a choice of a response in crisis. How do you respond in the crises that come into your life? We live in a very self-actualization world where the message that you hear often is feel good about yourself. The message that you hear often is uh, go live for self. Uh, The message that you hear often is, hey, it's all about me and, and what I want. And what's interesting is I open the Bible from the book of table of contents to the book of maps, and everywhere in between, I see one overarching narrative, and the Bible says, John, talking to me, go crucify yourself. We're going to see here in just a few verses, focusing on one today, of how the disciples responded into crisis. H.B. Charles gave an illustration recently, and he said these words. He said, there was a church that on the outside of the building had inscribed these following words, we preach Christ crucified. To a pastor, and prayerfully to all true believers in the room today, we would all shout a hearty amen, amen. 
But over time, ivy began to grow on the wall of this church. And before long, all you could read is, we preach Christ. Still a good thing, amen? But over more time, the ivy began to grow even more on the wall, and all you could see is, we preach. What a glaring indictment on the American church today of what we do. We preach. What do we preach? Well, here's what H.B. Charles, as I quote what he says, went on to say about his illustration. He says this, that is a sad parable of the contemporary church. A person can attend a church for weeks, months, and even years and hear multiple messages about financial prosperity, physical healing, personal success, love, connections, social justice, partisan politics, and many other user-friendly subjects without hearing one clear presentation of Christ crucified. Hmm. I know at this church, we preach, we also preach Christ, and we are determined until the Lord calls us home, we will preach Christ crucified. Our study today in Acts goes something like this as we look in Acts chapter 1, and I want us to look at verse 8 leading in from last week. People say, well, why do you repeat this? Well, some of you weren't here. We only remember 20% of what we actually hear if we don't write it down. Look at verse 8 so we get context. This is Luke writing, Dr. Luke, very detailed. But you will receive to take hold of, to take possession of, to, to rivet to, to weld to, to apprehend and not let go. Power. It's that miraculous power through the Holy Spirit to accomplish the task. When? When will you do this? When the Holy Spirit? Who's that? Well, it's the third person of the triune God, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, has come upon you. We talked about it last week, to indwell, to be under the control of and you will be my witnesses, there's that word in the Greek, martus, martyrs in the English, may not die for your faith, but if you're going to really come to Christ, you will die to self. He owns you, no longer your own. Where? In Jerusalem. Jesus says, I'm going to send you back where they killed me. Fun. All Judea, that region, Samaria where they hate the Jews, and to the ends of the earth. Now look today at verse 9. And when he had said these things, interesting, so he's talking, and then all of a sudden, as they were looking on, so picture, he says, here's the, if you're really going to be mine, here's what's going to happen, they're looking on, he was lifted up. Can you imagine their reaction? And the cloud took him out of their sight. Wow. And while they were gazing into heaven, can you just put yourself there? Behold, two men stood by, them in white robes, and he said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, love this, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So what are they going to do? There's a crisis going on here. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem, right back to the general area of where Christ was crucified, from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. Okay, back to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. Now here's our verse that we're going to hunker down on today. Listen to how they responded, church. In the midst of crisis, look what they did. Two things. All these with what church helped me? With one accord. We're doing something. We're devoting themselves to what? Prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. A crisis had just occurred. Their leader's gone. As they watched Jesus do miracle after miracle, as they saw Christ as they ministered with him and they listened to his sermons, he has now left. They're, they're looking up and a cloud takes him away. He ascends to the Father. Jesus already promised. Remember, if you go back from last week, he said, look, you got to believe me in this. You can't look at what's seen. you got to look at what's unseen. If you're trusting what you see, you will lose hope. But when you trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, when you trust that our God is not dead, but He's fully alive, it gives you a confidence. You now begin to sing with confidence. You now begin to sing with joy that our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. We're just looking at what's going on around us. But we look to the King. We look to the true senior pastor, Jesus. He'll never let us down. And there they are, this ragtag bunch. Not seminary professors. Not mega church pastors. Is a ragtag bunch. And Jesus, their leader's gone. And they're in the middle of the road. They're at that fork in the road. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are they going to do? Well, right here in verse 14, we'll call it A. All these. Very important. Did you, did you notice those two words here in this ESV? All these. Not some of these. Not a portion of these. All these. With one accord. It means this in the Greek to be unanimous. It means this to be of one mind and one passion. So they just said, you know what? Here's the deal. We're in a crisis. Uh, we could choose to waller in it. We could choose to have self-pity. We could choose to listen to the noise. Or you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to, all of us, band together in one accord, be unanimous with one mind, with one passion. And that's why I wrote down key number one. I asked you to write it down in your notes. In times of crisis, it's imperative to be like-minded and unified in one accord. In times of crisis... It's imperative to be like-minded, unified, and in one accord. 
Every person in the time of crisis that you're facing today, tomorrow, down the road in the future, you have one of two options, and there are only two. There's only two. You, I, you and I either look at the crisis through the lens of Scripture, or you look at it through the lens of flesh. Those are your only two options. You can't ride the fence. Satan owns the fence. You look into the Scripture, you open the Word of God, you mind the Scriptures and go, am I actually hearing what's actually happened? When people look through the lens of the flesh, it's amazing how that reveals how much they're actually against Scripture. When someone looks to the Scripture first, we now begin to see who's really in control, who's really going to do whatever needs to be done, and there becomes a peace and a serenity and a contentment that even if God doesn't go our way, that we'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That they told Nebuchadnezzar, they said, Nebuchadnezzar, look, here's the deal, chief. We just want you to know this, that our God is able. Like, do you believe that today, church? Do you believe our God is able? Do you believe it? Like, I believe our God is able, amen? You want to be so into the mission, so in tune by the Holy Spirit, so under the control of the Holy Spirit, that when God says no, your answer to Him is still yes. That thought has been resonating in my mind. Hold that place in Acts, and I want you to turn over to Nehemiah. I'm going to give you two examples from God's Word. We're going to run to God's Word. I'm going to give you two examples in God's Word, what it looks like to be like-minded, unified, and one accord during times of crisis. Nehemiah chapter 4, just hold that Acts place in your Bible. Nehemiah is going to be to your left. I'm going to read you verses 15 through 22. Listen to what the Word of God says about like-mindedness, unity, and one-accordness in times of crisis. Here's example number one. And by the way, go back later and just read Nehemiah chapter 1 through chapter 6. Just read those in totality, and it'll give you a great concept and context of what we're talking about here. Nehemiah 4, verses 15 through 22. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan. (laughs) So God does. He frustrates the enemy's plans. We all, (laughs) did you read those two words? We all return to the wall, each to his work, his responsibility. Verse 16, from that day on, half of the servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood, I love this phrase, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah. They are unified. They know the mission. It's clear. It's compelling. This is where we're going, who are building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Hmm. And I said to the nobles and to the rest of the people, 
The work is great and widely spread. And we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, verse 20, here's the command, rally to us there. Rally. Begin to rally together. And I love this phrase, our God will fight for us. Verse 21, so we labored at the work. We did it. Didn't just sit back and hope that something works out. We did it. We worked. And half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. 22, I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. And all God's people said, amen. Powerful, isn't it? Nehemiah had the Symbalots, the Tobias, the Geshems. A crisis was on hand there. The truth was being warred against. We go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, poof, he goes away. Disciples, what are we going to do? Our leader's gone. No, with one accord, with one accord, here's what the disciples, I believe, were in essence saying. With one accord, we're going to pray, chapter 4, 15 through 22, that one phrase, our God will fight for us. Church, I believe our God will fight for us. I believe our God is fighting for us. I believe our God is doing something in our midst. He's pruning, He's refining, He's setting us up to be a people that can reach this community, I believe, like never before. I mentioned two examples. Let me give you number two. Hold Acts 1, but go now down to Luke. Go to Luke. Go now to Luke. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, 17 through 26. Just going back to the Word. Remember, you only got one of two options in a crisis. You either run to God, spiritual things, or you run to the flesh. We're choosing to run to God through His Word. Here it is, Luke chapter 5, 17 through 26. And here's what the Word of God says, example number two of what it looks like from Scripture to be like-minded, unified. We saw there in Nehemiah, they were unified, they were one accord, they were like-minded. Let's see now in the New Testament an example. And here it is, Luke 5, 17 through 26. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They loved to do that. They loved themselves. They loved their knowledge. They loved, they loved their degrees and their titles who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem. And the power, don't miss this, of the Lord was with him to heal. That's Jesus. And behold, some men, I love this. So there's a unity here, a one accord, a like-mindedness. We're bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. But, verse 19, Finding no way to bring him in because of the large crowd, they went up on the roof and let down, let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Crazy stuff here. I mean, this is wild. 20. And when he saw their faith, and when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Uh-oh, here come the troublemakers, 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones who love themselves and their teaching. 
began to question, saying, who is this one who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right there, they revealed where their heart was, right? Because who's Jesus? He's part of the Godhead. Right there, God is standing in front of them through Christ. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, remember, he knows everything, he answered them. That would have been kind of spooky, right? They're thinking this stuff about Jesus, and he's actually answering what they're thinking. Wow. He goes, why do you question in your hearts? 23, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? Well, we know the answer. It'd be real easy to go, hey, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. 24, I love these first words, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, there it is, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And immediately, without any delay, without any limping, without any Charlie horses, he rose up before them and he picked up what he had been lying on and he went home glorifying God. And do you see this church? Don't miss 26. Here's what happens when you unify. Here's what happens when you're in one accord. Here's what happens by the power of the Holy Spirit when you begin to pray and you pound on the door of heaven. Look at verse 26. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God. And they were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. I don't know about you, church, but I want to get out of the casual church business, and I want to get into the true Jesus business, amen? But wouldn't it be amazing we leave here each Sunday and we go, man, I don't know what just happened in there, but I know this, Jesus is rocking our world. See, it's amazing, though, the way that you get to those points is that you surrender all, no longer some. You begin to be a person that says it's no longer the great suggestion, it really is the great commission. You begin to live on mission for Jesus Christ. You just sell out. You say, I know it's going to cost me everything. I may be lied about, slandered, gossiped about. I may be physically tortured and harmed. It's okay. Burn me at the stake. I'm going to live for Jesus all the days of my life. Did you notice something here in that text in Luke? As you connect dots between Luke and Acts chapter 1, 9 through 14. Crisis, Acts, crisis. Our leader's gone. What are we going to do? Let's unify together. Let's pray. Luke, can you imagine right here in Luke? By the way, the same writer, interesting. Here are these guys, and they got a paralyzed man. Well, what do we do with this guy? Well, we could, we could pick him up and we can uh, drop him off at the hospital. That's an option. Uh, you know, first general of Jerusalem. Let's drop him off. Wish him luck. But these are spiritual men. And they've seen what God is doing through Christ in their midst. And everyone's gathered in the house there. That They're gathered there. And they're hearing Jesus do his thing. And it must have been amazing to be in the presence of Jesus doing his thing. Amen. Just, just preaching the word. And what happens? Well, wait a minute. The crowd's too big. We got to get this guy to Jesus. What do we do? Well, they could have just left him at the front door. That would have been another option, right? Let's just leave him at the front door. And maybe Jesus might stumble over him coming out of the, out of the house. But do you see how determined these men were? 
Do you see where their focus was? Their focus wasn't on self because, I don't know, maybe there was a good ball game on that afternoon. Uh, maybe they had to cut the grass. Uh, maybe, their, maybe their wives that they were married had a honeydew list, and they're like, you know, I'd, I'd really like to get this guy to Jesus, but this is going to take a lot of extra effort. And you got to remember this, it wasn't their house. So their motive is this, it's to win the loss at any cost and get this guy healed. And they're like, we're going to take any extremes necessary, even at our own personal cost, to get this guy to Jesus. And they go up on the roof. Picture yourself. You're there. Jesus is doing his thing. Man, you're mesmerized. And all of a sudden, you see the roof starting to open. It's not your roof. Imagine the homeowner. Imagine what they're saying. What are you doing to my roof? And they're lowering this guy down. Can you imagine? I mean, just picture yourself sitting there going, what is going on here? This is not how we do church. This is not proper protocol. We're going to get this guy to Jesus. And the Bible says, we just read, that Jesus looked at them. And he says, because of their faith, I'm going to look at you, man, and I'm going to say these words, get up, go home. You have now been healed because anyone can say your sins are forgiven, but Jesus has all authority has been given to me. And we read that last week in the Great Commission, that all authority has been given to me, Jesus says on the front end, all authority, that there's nothing out of the scope of Jesus' authority. There's nothing. There's nothing. And lo, I'll be with you even at the end of the age. And then Jesus shows off his glory. And this guy gets up. Everyone stands in awe. Everyone's amazed. They stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Oh, that's where I want to be every day of my life. I just want to see Jesus do miracles. I believe Jesus is still in the miracle business. Believe it. I believe it. The question is, do we? We, plural. We, one accord. We, unified. We. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. We'll look at the last part of 14, our verse. We'll call it 14b. So remember the crisis occurred. They united in one accord, but what did they actually then do in one accord? Well, it's real simple, 14b, they were devoting themselves to prayer. Now, this is very important. The power of the Holy Spirit through the ESV translation could have just said they prayed, and that would have been amazing. Like, that would have been amazing. They prayed. That's a good thing. In this translation, it says this, they were devoting themselves. It's a continual adherence to. It's an unwavering commitment to. It's a refusal to quit. They're devoting themselves. They're coming together. And you know this, church, you've heard me say this before, but the family and the church that prays together stays together. 
Why? Because prayer is intimate. As you pound on the door of heaven, as you storm the throne room of heaven, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know about you, but no tiptoeing, amen? Man, we come boldly to the throne of grace. When you've given your life to King Jesus, the veil has been torn in two. There's now a straight shot to the Father, and we come boldly in our time of need. But it's going to take some bold people. It's going to take some Nehemiahs. It's going to take some men and women and students and kids that will pick up the spiritual paralyzed all around this building. And they're everywhere. If the date is correct, there's thousands. If the date is correct, there's thousands around this building that if they died today would go into an eternal hell apart from Jesus forever. There's thousands. Think about this thought of prayer. What is prayer? Ever thought about that question? What is prayer? You know, is it rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God? Is that a prayer? I mean, is that what we do? No, when you look at Scripture, you see so deeply. Prayer is two-way communication. It's two-way communication. We're talking, but we're also doing a bunch of listening. And as we pray, we communicate to God where the heart behind our prayer is that His name would be hallowed. Have you ever been there in your prayer time? Just, God, hallow your name in me. God, just hallow your name in me. God, I want you to hallow your name. You're everything. You've saved a worthless person like me, and I just want to hallow your name in me. When's the last time you prayed? And God, I want your kingdom to come. God, I really want this in my life, but, but I want you more than this. And I want your will to be done, not my will. Imagine what would happen as we unify together and begin to pray biblical prayers. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not second, third, ninth, twelfth, even the biblical number 40. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added unto you. See, it's all about true seeking God first. If all they're seeing in me and you is how great life is, and they don't see that we actually do struggle, and it's how we respond to the struggles, here's what's going to happen. They're never going to identify with us. Why? Because they're struggling. But when they see that, you know, we're real people, we've got flesh and bones and blood in our veins, and man, we struggle and we go through difficulties, and, and God's got to work on my heart and work on your heart, but we're just different than the world. Oh, that's so attractional, because at some point in the midst of their crisis, they're going to saddle up to the people nearest them who they see is living out the answer they're looking for. They're going to go, what is it you got? Right? What is it you got? Like, I don't need this stuff anymore. I don't need the addictions. I, I don't need the, the stuff of the world. I don't need money. I don't need retirement. I just need Jesus. And oh, God will begin to do a work. He'll begin to do a work that only He can do. That's why key number two, our last key, write it down. Here it is, key number two. In times of crisis... In times of crisis, it's imperative that the like-minded and unified group that is in one accord devote themselves to desperate prayer. Let me say that again. Key number two. 
in times of crisis, it is imperative that the like-minded and unified group that is in one accord devote themselves to desperate prayer. Again, let me make sure you know what devote means. Yes, I'm going to repeat this intentionally. A continual adherence to, an unwavering commitment to, a refusal to quit. That's what that means in the Greek. So you take that and you go, wait a minute, okay, time of crisis, got to be like-minded, one accord, got that, prayer, okay, got that. Desperate times require desperate prayer. Desperate times require desperate prayer. Desperate times require unified prayer. Desperate times require unified prayer. Because casual prayer leads to a casual move of God. Let me say that one more time. Casual prayer leads to a casual move of God. If you want God to move casually in your life, just be casual towards Him. But if you want God to shake your foundations, if you want to get out of religion and get into relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of glory, as He comes into your life, as you surrender everything to Him, and the Holy Spirit begins to indwell you and take control of your life, if you begin to pray with fervency, with boldness, read E.M. Bounds, the power of prayer. It will change your life. E.M. Bounds, the power of prayer. That we travail in prayer, that we labor in prayer. I think so many times, and I'm guilty of this as well, that we pray and we plead with God, He actually answers our prayer exactly how we want it answered, and guess who's the most surprised? (laughs) Yeah, me. No, we want to begin to be people that we pray hard. We pray so hard because it's our lifeline. As one one man said, it's like a wartime walkie-talkie, and we are in a war. We are in a battle. This is a fight, not a fashion show. This is not for the faint of heart. This is for true believers of Jesus Christ to rise up. Now is the time. These are desperate times, but this is now the time that the church of Jesus Christ, not just here, but all over America, this should be our finest hour in the midst of the darkest hour. But it's going to take an effort. Ravenhill. Ravenhill said it like this. If you want to know how popular the church is, go to church on Sunday morning. If you want to know how popular the preacher is, go on Sunday night. But if you want to know how popular God is, go to the prayer meeting. Mm. Let that sink in. I mean, why do you think the enemy wants to keep people from unifying together and praying? Because he always attacks where he's threatened the most. The enemy always attacks where he's threatened the most. Something tells me as I look on your faces this morning that you want an example of powerful prayer in the Bible. Is that a true statement? I thought that was the case. Well, here it is. Let me give you one example from Scripture to support this point. Turn in your Bible to 1 Kings. 
Go back to the left, 1 Kings chapter 18. Again, what are we doing? We're just going back to the Word. You either go to the Word and spiritual truth, or you go to the flesh. Those are your two options. We're choosing to go to the Word. This is an example in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 16 through 45. This is an example of pounding on the door of heaven prayer. This is pounding on the door of heaven prayer right here. 1 Kings chapter 18, 16 through 45. And this is what the Word of God says. By the way, what happened to thus saith the Lord? What what happened to that? Does anyone know? What happened to thus saith the Lord? The grass withers and the flower fades, but I know this according to my Bible, the Word of God stands forever. Can we get an amen on that one? I mean, do you believe that today, amen? I mean, Paul said this, that I'm chained, but the Word of God is not chained. Well, here's what the Bible says. 1 Kings 18, 16-45. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. Ahab was a real nice fellow, wasn't he? Wrong. And he told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. 17, when he saw Elijah, the wicked person looks at the godly person and says, is that you, troubler of Israel? 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your family and your father's family have. Wow. You've abandoned, here it is, the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals, the idols, the worship. All the little G gods that are still here in America, they were there then. 19, now meet me on Mount Carmel. This is the shootout at the OK Corral. This is so cool. Listen to this. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at whose table? The Lord's? No. Whose? Jezebel. Nice lady. Wrong. Wicked. 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. 21. Elijah went before the people and said, uh oh, oh boy. Elijah then goes to the people, and he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. Don't ride the fence. Hmm. But the people said nothing. Interesting. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. And I will call on the name, help me church, of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, call on the name of your little G-God, but do not light the fire. Then they called on the name, this is hilarious, Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Now, if we pause there for a moment, that's a long time, amen? Morning till noon, this is a long time. It gets worse. Baal, answer us, they said. And they even shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. I love that. But there was no response. No one answered. Okay, we got to go to strategy number two. And they danced around the altar. They weren't Baptist. And they danced around the altar they had made. Okay, 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder. 
he said. Surely he is a God, little g. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder, and now they began to slash themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Now, this is getting desperate, isn't it? 29, midday had now passed. Morning to noon, now midday. And they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. This is an all-day affair. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. He said, let's unify. Let's be in one accord. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took, what, 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. 32, with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Did you catch that? It didn't say he just built an altar. He built the altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering on the wood. Who in their right mind would ever do this? You're about to light a fire. You don't pour water on it. Hmm. Elijah did. And I love this. He says, do it again. And then he said, do it a third time. He ordered and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. The water is all over the sacrifice and it's all over the trench, all in the trench. Picture this. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah, help me church, stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, I love this, here it is, let it be known today that you are God in all of Israel, and I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people, here's the why. He didn't say answer me so I could be right. He said answer me, answer me, so these people will know. Soften the hearts. Show them your glory that what? That you are Lord, that you are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and even the soil. When all saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And all God's people shouted, wow. I mean, wouldn't it be so cool to just watch God work? Just watch Him do the impossible. But how are you going to get there? Well, Elijah was the only prophet left, but he understood this. And church, I want you to understand this today. Whether it's in your individual life, your home, your business, your ball team, your church, here's the reality from Scripture. 
even though it may be only you standing alone, when you stand with God, you are always in the majority. And it gives you a confidence to storm the gates of hell and not with a squirt gun. Question. How do you respond in crisis? How do you truly respond in crisis, truthfully? Do you run to spiritual solutions or fleshly solutions? Through our study in the Word of Acts today, the disciples gave us this model, church. And we must follow this model to unify together, to be in one accord, to let there be no divisions among us, to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray even harder. Sermonettes produce Christianettes. We must be a people of the Word. And as I and you from this moment forward continue to surrender all, let's all stand back like they did in Luke with a paralytic. Let's stand back like Elijah did and let's just proclaim how great is our God. Let's just believe by faith that the greatest days are yet to come. Let's just begin to believe through travail and prayer and unity and oneness that, that our God can do great and mighty things. That since our God is for us, who can be against us? That we know this, that the Lord is on our side resolutely. We will not fear. What can man do to this? We know this so truthfully that, that here's the deal. Oh, the Lord is a mighty one. He's a mighty fortress is our God. And we believe by faith that the kingdom of God will never be shaken. Therefore, let us not grow weary by doing good, we will reap a great harvest if we do not lose heart. Let's be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing confidently the labor for Him is never in vain. And oh, church, understand this, that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all hope and the God of all comfort and the God of all courage and the God of all blessing will restore, perfect, establish, and strengthen us as we rest in the mighty Savior who is our God. Amen. Oh, Father, we come before you today, and as we lift up your word, we lift up our souls and our hearts and our minds to you, God. God, forgive me for my sin, and I pray that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that you would unify us together like never before. Lord, help us to see truth. God, may you be glorified in us in all we do. And Father, maybe there's one here today that has never truly surrendered their life to Jesus. As they sit there right now, they're, they're contemplating as the Holy Spirit is drawing and stirring, John 6, 44, and the enemy's saying no, the enemy's saying don't do that, resist. And Oh, I pray, Father, that you would overcome that. Maybe someone who's been in a church for years, maybe decades, but the reality is they've never truly given their life total surrender to Jesus. Lord, I pray today would be that day by faith. God, we just want you to have your way. We know the enemy's after us. It's very clear. And so, Father, would you move in this time? Would you show us clearly the way to walk? Don't allow us to turn to the right nor the left, but just to walk in this way. And we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. 
Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.